Mac Power Users, episode 329, Special Event Tech. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I am great, David. How are you? I can't complain. And uh, this the show is going to be a good one. Uh, as fans of the show may know, Katie has been the technology specialist of the Floyd families. They've been planning some weddings and some big events in the family, and she's been taking notes. And we at first it was a joke, and then we realized, you know, there's a whole lot of technology involved in, in setting these things on. And it would be fun to talk about the tools we would use to pull it off. So we've got a, a very active outline here. It's not just for weddings. It's about any kind of project um, or big gathering you're going to do. And uh, the outline filled up remarkably quick. <laughs> I, I have been um, neck deep in this since uh, for, for a year now. I, I am the uh, I guess I am the special event technical coordinator. I don't, I don't have an official title. I tried to put an official title um, on the website and they wouldn't let me and said I'm just bridesmaid. But oh man, that I, sucks. I know. I I think I should have a shash or something that says like technical event coordinator or something. But uh, you know, my my oh, bro- you should get one like um like Worf. Yes. You know, yes. Like Worf has metal. a sash. He has that metal thing. You know. Perfect. I can carry it with my batleth down the aisle. You know, you could just wear the metal thing. It doesn't even need to say your job because it is so People badass looking. People would know. <laughs> they would either get it or if they don't. And if you they know, don't, you know, my brother's a big Trekkie. Problem. He would he would totally approve. His fiance, though, would die. She would march me right back up the aisle and just be like, oh, no. Well, that's oh, no. all the more reason to do it, in my opinion. But I, I you know what? That's I think why I, nobody invites me anywhere. I think I'm going to go on Think Geek right now and see what I can find. They've got to have one go. of those. I'm sure they yeah. do. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we've got a full outline and we're going to be talking about project planning and websites and photo shows and just all kinds of stuff. So this is going to be an interesting show. Don't turn us off if you think not involved with the wedding. There's stuff here you could use with your business or just any kind of event you're planning. So yeah, and, and stick through this one. as David said, the, the start of this came from me planning a wedding. But the more we thought about this, we all have special events in our lives, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a uh, an anniversary, whether it's unfortunately a funeral, um, whether it's a gathering for your business. We all have these special events in our lives that are, are big bashes, big blowouts for, for whatever reason. And there's a lot of tech that's involved with that. So that's that's what we're going to talk about. This this may not be a show that you can use right now today, but it, it will be something that you can get ideas for when you have that next event that's coming up. OK, before we dive in, we've got a couple announcements. Um, this uh, involving MPU Live this month. MPU Live is not live. Uh, be- because uh, because of this wedding, because I will be at the wedding when MPU Live is supposed to be going on live, I think. Well, actually, it's July. Oh, it's 4th. July fourth. It's July fourth, and I'm flying out a few days later. That's right. So we, uh, it's it's going to be hard for us to pull it off on the holiday, and we figured nobody would want to listen on the holiday anyway. So uh, we are recording it at a secret location from uh, at a secret time, and uh, we can't tell you it's top secret. So you're not going to get a live show uh, in the sense that there won't be a live audience, but otherwise it'll be the same. We're going to have a bunch of feedback and everything going on. And the other thing is, as a result of the wedding and some other vacation stuff going on in July, we are not going to release the live show as an extra show. It's going to be one of the regular shows. So, But that makes it no less special. Yes. It's still a very special live show. And, it's not and the live. feedback we got on the show is looking really good. So That's there's true. a lot of good stuff coming. But uh, so that'll be in your feed next week. And, um, and everybody wish Katie well as she manages the wedding with her bat lift. 
Thank you. And, and my sash. Don't forget my sash. And the sash. Definitely. I'm going to look for, I'm going to get you one, Katie. If I can get one, I'm going to, you have to promise to wear it. Yeah. Put, put a picture on Twitter. I'm, um, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up war sash right now. Okay. Um, so if you're going to put on a special event, the first thing you need to do is some project planning and, and by, by the so- way, it's called a baldric wharf slash. It oh, is, is a it? wide, usually ornamental belt worn over one shoulder and around one waist that's typically used to carry weapons or denote rank. Now, is it a uh, baldric? Did the, do the Klingons use the C and the K or just the K or it's, just the C? I don't know. I'm getting this from memory alpha, which is the Star Trek Wikipedia. So it's a Klingon baldric, B-A-L-D. R-I-C. I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay, so they don't use the K. Well, that would make sense. The Cleons would not want to waste time with extra letters. Anyway, I'm sorry. We were talking about special event planning. Yeah. Well, let's start with the project planning elements of this stuff, because um, this is a great opportunity to use project planning software. There's some really good <laughs> stuff out there, and it can make a difference as you're getting stuff together. I, I think one of the key things you have to think about is are you going to be doing this collaboratively or are you the chief mugwump, uh, you know, baldric wearing lord of all things related to this event? Because that's going to really affect the type of software you use to manage the project. Um, the uh, For me, whenever I'm doing one of these, these little, you know, event type things, it usually starts like so many things in my life as a, as a um, mind node, mind map. You know, uh, see, mine, mine doesn't start as a mine known. Mine, mine did start as a, uh, a dump into OmniFocus. Okay. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, that's where it would go. Um, the, um, well, I hope I'm not letting out any secrets, but, uh, mine node is going to have some cool functionality to get stuff into OmniFocus very soon if they haven't released it already. So cool. that's cool. But the, um, either way, so you start somewhere where you start just thinking about it before you involve other people. You know, who was it that said hell is other people? I forget. Uh, but either way, uh, so start with uh, a plan of some sort, uh, maybe an omni outline or something like that to start laying out the the skeleton of whatever it is you're building. Um, we've talked about this stuff plenty in the past, so we don't need to go through it in, in grave detail. But I do like the idea of a planning tool that can be on multiple devices if you are living the life. You know, if you've got an iOS device and a Mac, um, if you're just going to plan one place, that kind of helps you um have to not worry about finding an application that has some kind of synchronization plan built in, but most of them do these days. So, so go with something like Omni Outliner or, or MindNote or something along those lines to just let you plan broadly. But then because it's a project that has deadlines, sometimes it's worthwhile to go a few steps further with that. We don't talk about Omni plan much on the show, but this is a great use of Omni plan. It's a, uh, it's a, you know, traditional project planning application from the Omni group. Once again, they have the ability to sync your data so you can have it on your iOS device and your Mac. It's got Gantt charts in it and all the project planning goodness that you'd want. I use it uh, quite a bit for planning things along these lines, because when I've got contingencies or things that rely on, you know, steps, uh, the Gantt charts are really nice. So it would like, one element needs to be completed before you can start the next element. This is a good use for that. If you're going to be using a group of people, you may want to look at something more collaborative. And I started looking into that um, for the show. Um, there's a there's two of them that I think are worth noting. And if you've got one, and I haven't used either one of these extensively, but I've heard from lots of Mac Power users, listeners that like both of these tools. 
And if you've got one that you think is just, you know, the cat's meow for collaborative project planning, by all means, let us know. Uh, but uh, Trello is one we've heard from from lots of people. It uses that Kanban project management system, which is those cards, the movable cards. Now, the first time I ever saw that was uh, watching Silicon Valley. And I, did you ever see that? No, I don't have Silicon Valley. That's HBO yeah. or Showtime? HBO, yeah, yeah, totally worth it. But the um, they use the cards to move around what's done, what's not done, what's in process. And it's a very visual method that uh, adapts itself well to computers. And Trello is all about that. It's very collaborative. It uses these cards. So if you're putting on a project that's got multiple organizers, that's a good way to do it. If you're looking for something more traditional, like um, uh, traditional project planning software, Asana, A-S-A-N-A, is another one that we've heard a lot from listeners that really like it. So there's a couple options there for you. Now, at some point, you're going to get your list of things into what you need to be doing. And this exists whether or not you are going to be collaborative. And in that case, that's where I get to the OmniFocus list that like Katie does. Yeah. And um, the way that, that mine started out was almost like a mind dump. I mean, I, I, I knew that this was going to be a big set of projects. So I, and I have very few folders in OmniFocus. And this started out, this is kind of a temporary folder. And I look forward to in two weeks from today, deleting the folder. Um, because you don't get to do that very often, but I, I created a folder because I knew there would be multiple projects. I knew that there would be a project perhaps for the wedding itself, that there would be a project for the rehearsal dinner, that there would be a project for the engagement party, that there would probably be a project for the web, you know, that there would be multiple projects in this overall thing. But the first thing I did is, um, I, I just started, you know, immediately just brain dumping, we're going to, they're going to have to have a website. That means I'm going to have to have a domain. That means I'm going to, oh yeah, we're going to have to do a program. Oh yeah, we're going to have to do a DVD. And as I started thinking of things, I just started brain dumping and then, then going back and filling in a lot of detail later, which That's is exactly how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Which is kind of how you, you mind map, but I, I almost did it as though I was creating an outline like you would an Omni outliner, but I was doing it in OmniFocus. That makes sense. Now, now one of the nice things about this is uh, you could have these. Now, did you turn into one big project or do I, you have? I separated out the projects kind of by by date and by category. So, again, the engagement party was one project. The reception was another project. The event itself was a project and the rehearsal dinner was a project. And, and you could go even deeper than that if you want. And, and the rule with all this stuff, as always, is go as detailed as you need and no more detailed than that, because at some point you don't want to be adding detail for the sake of adding detail you want to add it for uh, the basis of making the project better but if you're somebody who has not traditionally used your your uh, task planner in this way this is a good opportunity for you to try this out where you may have some single action list projects you may have some sequential list projects like i could see if you were setting up the um you know the catering service this would be something that would be a sequential project where you need to spend time choosing the cater then choose the menu then you know you could really set this up as a line of of independent acts all in one long chain that need to follow each other and unfortunately i didn't have anything to do with the catering but if that were my project then like every other entry would be taste cake taste cake taste more cake (laughs) taste another cake What's your favorite flavor cake? I am very, very, very traditional. I like vanilla cake with vanilla icing with vanilla, 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 vanilla. Wow, just vanilla all the way through. All the way. Maybe with like a butter, uh, like a, um, you can get like a cream cheese frosting in there, but so you can get a little fancy with that. But I like very, very vanilla. 
is there any particular brand of vanilla that you like or is it just vanilla? Well, I mean, there are a couple of places that I like. Like we have a, a, a bakery here in my hometown that just makes amazing cakes. They have probably the best cakes I've ever had. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, homemade bakery versus, you know, store bought is always better. I'm not much of a cake person in general, but if I'm going to have a cake, I like the like chocolate with raspberry. I like it. You know, I like it kind of weird. I like my cake weird. All right. So if we ever have a Mac Power users blowout party, there will be two cakes. One weird one and one vanilla one. One very plain vanilla one. That that kind of fits our personalities, I think. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> the, uh, okay, so we've got the, uh, but, but like I said, so you're setting up these projects. This gives you a chance to create these sub projects. And it, it is does feel good having these managed separately. Like when you can put something into a sequential order, it it gives you the ability to not have to manage all the pieces of that until they're relevant for you to manage. It's very tempting when you're setting up a big event like this to just have a single action list and just dump everything into it. And I would argue that that's probably not the best way to do it. You're going to spend a bunch of time managing when those things show up for you. Whereas if you can break it into the logical sub projects, uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. So, so, you know, that's one way to go about it. But either way, at some point you're going to have all this stuff written down and, uh, and you're going to have some projects to do. And we started thinking and prepping for the show. Well, what would those projects be? So yeah. Uh, well, well, before we go to the projects, one other thing I want to add is don't underestimate the value of shared reminder lists for little things. And obviously you've got to plan the projects, but then we had some little things like when we were out shopping for things or when like the day or two before an event, when we had certain tasks that had to be completed and there was a group of us that were completing these tasks, like we were getting the house ready for an engagement party, or we had to divide and conquer to to make sure that we had the proper supplies for a certain thing. At that point, I would take things out of Omni Outliner. Uh, well, I mean, I would keep them in there, but I would also create a shared reminder list for a specific occasion that I could put tasks in that shared reminder list, like, you know, pick up coffee cups, fix hole in the screen, you know, all of these things that had to happen. And that way, this list could be shared between multiple people. And as the task was completed, it could be marked off. Now, I, I don't I don't think that's a great thing to do for broad stroke project planning. But I think as you it was very helpful, I found, as we got down to like, you know, the, the last week before a particular event or before a particular deadline, when it was kind of all hands on deck, everybody we we had the big rocks in place, but we we had to go clean up those final nitpicky items for for checking those items off the list. It's it's interesting because depending on the person you're working with, that that shared reminders list could truly be a a link to your reminders list where they could go in and check it off. And that assumes that they're on Apple products. Um, if you had on something like Evernote, you could share a list through that as well. Um, for your more analog minded friends. You don't assume that they're going to be able to figure it out or want to figure it out. And uh, for those people in the past, I've done this thing where I just make a list with checkboxes like, you know, Pages does that. So does OmniFocus. And I will send them something to print out where they can, you know, physically get a pencil and check it off. Or if I'm going to see them, I hand them the piece of paper. Um, you've got, you've got to consider your audience, I guess is what I'm saying when you're doing that. And I think that works better if you've subdivided out your projects, which, you know, you probably should talk about the division of labor, but I think at some point it was with, 
you know, oh, if you're going to Target, pick up those things. And if I'm going to Lowe's, I'm going to pick up these things or, you know, just whoever can grab whatever on the list. Then you could check the list and see if it had been accomplished yet. Okay. Super important question. Who fixed the screen? Well, it was actually our friend Lee who fixed the screen. My And the the funny thing is the, the guys spent literally all day fixing this teeny tiny hole in the screen that was totally not noticeable when they could have accomplished so many other things, but that's what they were fixated on was fixing the hole in the screen. And my, uh, the women were quite perturbed that they, it, it was three trips, trips to Lowe's, which, which is a big home improvement store here in the United States, three trips to Lowe's and, um, you know, a, an entirely wasted day fixing the screen while we were all, everyone else was running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to get everything together the last minute. You assume they went to Lowe's. Was Fine Friends turned on? We knew it wasn't. We assumed that they went I to mean, Lowe's three times. There may be several sports bars between your house and Lowe's. That's but it, it, but it was like for the time and effort and manpower that took to fix this nickel-sized hole in the screen that nobody would have noticed, so many other things could have been accomplished. But that's what was important on that particular day, apparently. Or I guess well, I guess that was what the guys wanted to do, is the guys wanted to fix the screen. Well, you know, if they had your... um. I already forgot the name. What's the name of your your Klingon vest thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. War sash. Yeah, I've I've lost the, the webpage. They, they could have put the war sash over the hole, and then there would have been no problem. Yeah, or, or I'm just we, saying. Yeah, or you could just ignore it. But anyway, this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Simply indispensable. How many times have you caught yourself typing the same thing over and over again? Have you ever thought about how much time that's costing you? It's a lot, and this problem is entirely avoidable using Text Expander. Text Expander is a utility for your Mac, iPad, and iPhone that watches your keystrokes as you type, and when you type in certain key phrases, it automatically fills in large bits of text for you. So you could write sales proposal without a space, and it would fill in four paragraphs of your standard sales proposal language. This idea of autofilling text isn't new, but Text Expander does it so very well. With Text Expander, it saves your snippets into their cloud service so you can access them from all of your devices. So you could create a snippet on your Mac and then use it later on your iPhone. Text Expander also has an ingenious fill in the blank tool that can add custom fields to frequent communications. So you could create an email that has fill in the blanks for the customer name, the order number, or maybe even the products they purchased. Once you implement these with your team, and it does support teams, You can unify your messages so your customer support people can send out consistent messages to your customers. Text Expander is even smart enough to recognize when you're typing in text that it already has a snippet for or when you're repeatedly typing the same thing and it will suggest creating a new snippet for you. As you use Text Expander more, you'll find even more ways to streamline your day. For instance, using Text Expander, you can actually code in a tab key to a snippet. So I can type in a snippet in the subject field of an email. It'll type in the subject line, then hit the tab key, which jumps it to the body of the email and fill out the body of the email as well. This is all done in one snippet. So it's just a couple keystrokes and I'm done. This saves me so much time. I also have snippets for directions. So when somebody asks me how to get to my house, I type a snippet and it gives them directions to my house. Super easy. Imagine never having to type the same email or customer support message ever again. With Text Expander, you can do that and it can work on all of your platforms. Go check it out at textexpander.com and thank you, Smile, for supporting the Mac Power Users. 
So we're, let's get to the actual projects that we had to accomplish uh, for this particular special event. And the first big one was the website. And that was something that came fairly early because after you get engaged, you want to announce your engagement to the world. And kind of similarly, if you're having a special event, uh, you probably want to announce that event to the world or you know have a special page on your site dedicated to that event. And so I learned a lot about wedding websites in the past year. Did you, how did you learn? Did you research or was this just no, I, w- I was informed the war scars. I was informed about this is what people do now. This is what you have to have. This is this is what everybody is doing. That's true when you get pregnant, too. Wait till you, <laughs> you're going to find that out next year. <laughs> then then we'll mean, have a baby website. Then the, the yeah, wedding the, website will turn the, the baby, baby sex website. reveal is a special day on the website. <laughs> and I'm, I'm learning because I have these younger family members. Yeah. But the, uh, okay. So you decided to set up a website. I, I like the idea of a website. I know that with the Facebook, you know, world we live in, some people think, well, I don't need that. I can just announce it there. But I'm always a fan of owning your own content and having your little place on the internet for things that are special to you. So why not have a wedding website? Yeah. And, and there were a couple of ways to, to do this. There are a couple of services. Um, the Knot is a K-N-O-T is a very popular one that will do uh, free basic websites for couples. And, you know, the Knot is a whole service that I've learned about for wedding planning and wedding services and things like that. But of course, if you're going to do a, f- a free website, then you have limited options. You're going to have to go with one of their designs and there's some advertising that's on the site and there, there are other things that you have to put up with. Um, and then kind of a quick fix for that is if you wanted to use their website, you could, of course, um, register your own domain name and forward it to their website. Um, so that that would have been an easy fix. But of course, we, we don't do things like that. And, and when I'm the technical coordinator for the wedding, you know, we have to go all <laughs> out and, and do a custom website. Um, so what I ultimately went with is uh, I did a Square, Squarespace site and, you know, full disclosure, they're a sponsor. And I believe they're actually sponsoring um, this episode. But I liked that, number one, just because it was something that I was familiar with. Um, it was something that I could do fairly easily. And uh, actually, my soon to be sister in law, she really got a kick out of it. One of the things that I decided to do is um, when they got engaged, um, I I that was my engagement gift to them as I went on to hover and I registered their domain name. And I always thought it was a little silly that they've got all of these interesting, you know, sub URLs that are sometimes a little ridiculous, but one of those ridiculous URLs that they have is dot wedding. So I went and uh, their name is uh, Matt is my brother and Christy is his fiance. So if you want to see the site, I registered Matt and Christy dot wedding and, um, and it was available, you know, because it's a dot wedding domain, a lot of them are going to be available. So if, if you know someone who's engaged, you might want to go get their dot wedding domain now. Um, and, uh, we linked that to a a Squarespace site. So I was able to give them a card and just said, here's, here's your new domain name. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll help you or or basically I'll, I'll do the site. And we got it up in, in an evening. Now I'd given her some instructions in advance, like think about what you want on it. These are things that people typically put on it. But in terms of the actual, design. Um, you know, I, we sat down and we picked a design, we picked something that she would like, we customized it for her colors, which were pink and blue. And, um, uh, blue was her primary color. Pink was her secondary color. And so we, we picked one of the, the themes that were more specifically designed for weddings. And then we took their engagement photos with the permission of the photographer. Most of the photographers will include that kind of in the package that they do now. Um, and, and set it up from there. 
And and the nice thing you did there is you empowered her by finding a technology she can use. I think that's a huge deal if you're setting this up for somebody else because you're going to be busy enough, you know, whatever else you've got going on in your life or what you've committed to for this this event. You should not be the person they call every time they want to make a change in something on the website. So I think when picking a, a, a technology, if you're dealing with people that are not used to it, pick something like Squarespace or I don't know. I, I think some of the WordPress things are more user friendly than they used to be. But, you know, find a a solution that they can use where they can be enabled or empowered to do it themselves. So I, I think that's kind of a big deal. Right. And what I did is I paid for their domain and I paid for their Squarespace site and I basically prepaid it for a year. And I said, you know, if and I ran it such that it it would it would stay up for, um, you know, a couple of months after the wedding. And if if they want to continue it after, that's basically what I gave them. If they want to continue it after that, it's up to them. I don't really know of a wedding reason for a wedding website to to stay up more than a couple of months after the actual wedding itself. Um, I mean, some period of time maybe for people to see photos or to upload or download photos or things like that. But, you know, I, I don't know that a wedding website is something that needs to stay up indefinitely. Um, it might be kind of fun to watch the slow, you know, like, evolution of the relationship. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, well, in, Six in, months in, it's not what I thought. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and there, there are other options. I mean, I, I bought them a very specific wedding website with the dot wedding domain for that particular purpose. Obviously, you can buy someone a more generic website that they could use more for their family. And so that could be a way that you could start them up on their family website. So it could be their family website slash wedding. And, you know, that could be a more of a gift that keeps on giving is you could start them off, maybe, maybe prepay for the first year or two. And then, you know, then they have a, a website that they can continue for their family. You know, the, the other option is to use kind of one of these prepackaged wedding websites, like something from the knot, and then just buy them the domain and, and forward it there. So they don't, you know, so they can end up, so it's important to be able to put these things on the invitation so that they can, you know, have something custom on their invitation. Yeah. And I, you know, that's a great place to share information, even just a map and all that stuff. Yeah. Things, things that are pretty common. And again, I learned all about it to put on the website is, you know, just general information about the couple, the story about how they met links to the registry, but you know, people now they want to do all their shopping online. So make it easy, link to the registry. Um, you know, put information for out-of-town guests about here's the link to the hotel block. Here's how you can get a discount on the hotels. Here here are the nearby airports. Here's the schedule of events and, and what's going to happen. You know, we put links to, you know, here are things around town if you want to do something around town um, while you're there um, and, and those types of things. And, yeah, it seems to seems to have worked well. Yeah, and it's also I've seen them do where they actually use the blog feature where they, they talk about the going to eat the cake and you know that you can have fun with it because the yeah. people who are going to be going to the website are going to be your you know, your loved ones they're going to they're going to get up really enjoy uh seeing all the steps you're going through with this right um one of the things that comes up if you're going to do a website and let's say whether it's a wedding or a baby or whatever um i think it's important that you try and preserve the website content even though this thing is going to shut down in a couple months after their wedding you know, what if in 10 years they want to see all that stuff that they made and pictures and all that? Um, so, you know, you want to preserve the content. Uh, there's a couple of ways to go about doing that. One of them is another sponsor of ours who I think this, this wasn't planned, but <laughs> Smile's a sponsor of our show. Um, 
this week, I think. Uh, PDF Pen Pro has a great feature that allows you to go ahead and just save it a URL to PDF, which is a nice way of preserving it. Yeah. Um, one of the, and that's where you can actually export it to a website. You could also manually yeah. print as PDFs or, or screenshot it if you wanted. There are a lot of programs that will, that will do that. Cause a lot of these things aren't real in depth or aren't super many pages. Yeah. Um, and, but, but do preserve it. You know, like even if you just do the screenshot, you know, was it command shift three? I believe you get the whole screen or command shift four and you can set a, a border for it. Yeah. Uh, save that stuff. There are a couple of also more practical things that you can do with a website, and this could be for a wedding website or, or any kind of special event website. One of the things that, that we're looking at, and it's something that I've got to really get on, is having a feature for people to share images on the website. Um, you know, a couple of you know, there, there's social media type integrations that you can do with the website where if people, you know, tag a photo with a specific hashtag on uh, Instagram, that those photos can be displayed on the website. So that's something that I think we're going to do. We're going to add a photo page um, right before the wedding, right before it goes live so that people can, you know, tag their photos with a specific tag and they'll show up on the website. Um, there's also, I was thinking about connecting it just with Dropbox, but, you know, Dropbox now has a file request feature where you can upload photos to Dropbox. And that's always an interesting thing of, you know, people now take all of these these photos on their their cell phones how do you get them to them? You know, if, if people are taking photos at my special event, I, I want to have an easy way for people to send those photos to me. And if they're emailing them to me, they're, they're probably compressed and not great quality. So I was thinking about having an image upload page um, on the website that basically is a link to my Dropbox file request so that when they're uploading them, they're actually uploading them to my Dropbox. And then I can share them with the, with the couple after that. So how are you going to communicate that to the people at the event so they know to do it and know how to do it? Well, I think you just have to have a line on the program that says, you know, please visit the website to share your photos. Yeah. And maybe put a button on the homepage and full explanation, maybe even a tutorial. Yeah. I mean, because not everybody's going to be Mac Power users that are going to be looking at that, but I'm sure they'd be happy to share their pictures if they can figure it out. Right. And that's still that's a thought. It's still something that's kind of in the works at this point. Um, right now, they what they really get, though, is the hashtag your photos, you know, whatever the specific hashtag is. So that's that's easy to implement. Not so easy to upload, download. But if people hashtag their photos with a specific hashtag, then we can we can make them show up on the website. There are a couple of Instagram plugins that will let you do that. Um, okay. The the other thing that you're seeing right now is especially for, um, you know, people who might be getting married a little bit later in life and who already have, you know, established households and may not need so much on the registry is one of the things that I've learned is very popular um, is instead of, you know, asking for like a KitchenAid or a mixer or blender or whatever um, is asking for money and money for typically for like a particular thing, like money towards the honeymoon or money towards a home renovation or, you know, something like that. And there are a lot of websites now that are specifically designed to allow people to donate to your honeymoon fund or to donate to your whatever fund. Um, and, and those are fine and people seem to be more comfortable with that. I mean, you can decide whether or not that's something that you buy into or not. Um, but those, those websites take a pretty hefty, I mean, c considering they, they take a fee, they take a percentage of whatever you collect. Whereas if you do it on your own through your own website, whether it be through PayPal or through Stripe or through one of those other integrations, you're going to be getting everything except the processing fee. 
Yeah, never even thought of that. And you can do that through Squarespace as well. Right. And set it up like a contribution and set a couple of levels and things like that. And then I think it's a pretty reasonable, like, you know, less than three, three percent or something. I don't know what it is, but it's a it's just the credit card processing fee, basically, as opposed to like someone taking a, a much larger cut. I think something you should consider related to websites, though, is also when you're setting up a big project is social media. I mean, at what point does this stuff really fit in? Um, you know, you've got options with Facebook. Um, You've got options with, you know, Twitter and all the other social media elements out there. I think you should spend a little bit of time thinking about it and how you want to use it. This isn't all necessarily for a wedding, but, you know, you could have a page devoted to the event on Facebook. You could have a special hashtag you want related to it on Twitter. And as you're communicating the stuff out at the beginning, that's the time to really make those decisions. I mean, sometimes you're going to have an event that... um, like if it's a company event, you may want to have a special hashtag related to it on Twitter if you've got a, you know, a lot of people that work for you that are Twitter users. Um, but you, th- this is not something you can come up with at the last minute, in my opinion. I think you have to really kind of be on message with that from the beginning. So that's something maybe to consider as you're setting up the planning elements of it. Well, and there are ways that, especially if you've thought about it in advance, that you can integrate that into your website and into your overall theme. I mean, you can add it to your invitation. You can add it to your program. You can add it to your website. And if you have people tag something, you know, you can have all tweets with this particular tag displayed on your site, just like you can have all photos from Instagram with this particular tag displayed on your sites. Um, there are great plugins for websites that will allow you to integrate that. And the other is also true. There are great plugins with websites now that will allow you to share content from your website out to other social media. So if you are keeping that blog on your website, you can connect that up many times through the website provider itself, or sometimes even through just services like If This Then That, you know, to share it on Facebook, to share it on Twitter, to if you post something, you know, cross post it to all of these other services as well. If you want to be taking advantage of social media to get your message out there. Several times I've attended events where I was a speaker and they have these big screens set up where they're they're capturing every hashtag on Twitter related to their event. And they've just got this stream of hashtags going across, you know, usually it's in the lobby area or something. And I've always thought that was really nice. And it's a it's a good this is a good opportunity to start planning that stuff around your event. You could even do it really around a wedding if you if you had the right crowd. I, I think that tends to skew a little bit younger, but yeah, you yeah. could. I was at a wedding recently where they had a Snapchat filter um, and, and you could see so you could Snapchat with a particular filter on your photos. I want to pause for a moment to talk about our next sponsor, and that is Casper. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep and they believe they have created one perfect mattress and they sell it direct to consumers, eliminating all the confusion driven inflated prices. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly onto the consumer. They are an award-winning mattress company with a mattress that is developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in, believe me, an impossibly small box. I had people come over to my house when my mattress was delivered just because they wanted to see the Casper box. In addition to the mattress, Casper now offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. Casper has an in-house team of engineers that has spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foam 
to create an award-winning mattress that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine has named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it is the most awarded mattress of the decade. Plus, its breathable design helps regulate your temperature through the night. And as you may know, mattresses can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost just $500 for a twin-size mattress, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. They're made in America, but we can do even better than that. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash MPU and using coupon code MPU. Now, terms and conditions do apply. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery, free returns to the U.S. and Canada with a 100-night in-home trial. Who else is going to let you sleep on a bed for a 100 nights? And if you don't like it, they will take it back. They're going to pick it up and even refund you everything. Casper understands that the importance of sleeping on a mattress before you commit on it, especially considering that you're probably going to spend a third of your life on your mattress. You may know that Casper sent me a mattress to try out. I've got it on my bed right now. I've had it for several months now. I'm still sleeping on it. I love it. I recommend Casper to all of my friends and family members. At first, they thought that I was a little crazy for buying a mattress off the internet, but you have no idea how convenient it was, what a great mattress it was, how easy it was to set up. And I've got to tell you at this point, I will never buy another mattress another way other than ordering it from Casper. So you can go check them out again at casper.com slash MPU. Use the coupon code MPU to save $50 towards any mattress purchase. Again, terms and conditions apply. And thank you so much to Casper for their support of the show. In addition to the website and getting the social media set up, I want to take a minute to talk about audio because a lot of these events, that's where people fall down. Yes. Yes. So I had um I I had some audio issues that I needed to sort out um, for a couple events. Now, typically, if you're renting a venue, you know, like a wedding hall or a reception hall, a lot of that time is going to come with a DJ or is going to come with a particular audio setup, or you can just pay somebody to take care of it. But if you're doing a smaller scale event, if you're doing it at your home or if you're doing it at your office, you you are the audio tech. Um, yeah. So you got one more job to get the music everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I can share with you one uh, a particular problem that that I had that I think is going to be applicable to to a lot of people. So w- we hosted a large engagement party at our house, and by large, I mean probably you know seventy five people sit down dinner, and uh, people were mingling. You know, we we opened up all the doors. We had some great seating out on the patio out by the pool. And, um, you know, so we needed to have a multi-room audio solution. We, we wanted to have just some music playing in the background. And so um, that presented a couple of problems. Number one, we didn't want to have live music. We didn't want to have a DJ because we didn't want to go to that expense. So number one, we had to come up with the music. Um, and number two, we didn't have a whole house audio solution. Uh, I don't have um, one of those fancy Sonos situa- uh, solutions, which maybe you could have told me how that would have solved my problem a lot easier. That um, would have solved your problem a lot easier. Yeah. I'll just tell you right now. <laughs> but uh, but I didn't. I didn't have a whole house audio solution. Yeah. So I needed to kind of, you know, rather than go out and spend $1,000 on Sonos audio equipment, which I was very tempted to do because I thought this is a perfect excuse to do this. Um, I needed a solution that would work with the um, kind of the existing equipment that I, I either had or could borrow. Um, so the first thing that I did is I put together a playlist. You know, I figured how long is my event going to be? And, you know, iTunes was my friend. And I started looking at different playlists on iTunes, different playlists on Amazon Music and on Spotify and the various services and ultimately came up with my own playlist in iTunes that I thought was a 
a good mix of music for this particular engagement. I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to rely on just having a, a, a random playlist play. I, I wanted to curate the music a little bit. So, and that took some time coming up with my own playlist. Obviously, if you didn't care that much about what was playing, you could just find a station that you liked on, on iTunes music or on Spotify or, or Amazon music and play that. But I wanted something a little more curated. Well, so, and just let's stop on that for a moment. Assuming you're you're still in iTunes, I think a lot of people listening to our show are. Um, you can sort music by genre and rating. So one way to do that would be to find the genres that make sense, and then sort it also based on rating. So you could like that's a way to automate the process. But like Katie, I like to make these manually as well, and. You know, they're just bits, they're ones and zeros. So once you make a playlist for a special event, keep it because you'll never know when you need it again. And uh, it's very easy to manually create them. Just create the playlist and just drag the tracks in and you can even set the order you want while you're doing that. Um, so that's what I did is I, I created a playlist, but then I needed to figure out a way how to get this audio um, throughout the entire house. Um, my particular solution was to use existing hardware that I had because I, like I said, I didn't want to go out and buy the Sonos. So I found a, a software solution from our good friends over at Rogue Amoeba and they have a product called Airfoil. And, um, what Airfoil allows you to do, it's fairly inexpensive. I mean, it's, it's under 50 bucks. I think it's probably under, I'll have to look it up before the, sh uh, while the show, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to stream audio from your Mac to multiple devices. Now you can stream from iTunes to multiple AirPlay speakers, um, but it can be a little kludgy. But what Airfoil does is it allows you to stream any audio source. So you could have done this with Amazon Music or streaming music or anything, but it also allows you to stream not only to AirPlay devices, but also to Bluetooth speakers. And that was key. So what I did is I set up um, in strategic locations, a couple of AirPlay and Bluetooth speakers around the house. Um, in the living room, we had an Apple TV that was connected to a sound bar. So that was the AirPlay speaker in there. Um, in the in the dining room, I set up an Airport Express and um, had some high quality computer speakers because that was what I had uh, plugged into the Airport Express and then found a place where I could tuck them away, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, I did the the same thing in another room of the house. And then outside, I had a few strategically located um, Bluetooth speakers. And they were fairly inexpensive Bluetooth speakers, but they were, you know, decent Bluetooth speakers. And, and the nice thing is to know wires spread all over the place. Right, right. And so what I did then is once I had my speakers set up, I, I got them all configured, made sure they were all powered up and charged and ready to go. Um, and then, you know, plugged my Mac into the home network and fired up iTunes and fired up Airfoil and set it to connect to all of these multiple devices and set it to play. And it was pretty reliable. So was there any lag between speakers or did they did they truly integrate? No, that that's the beauty of Airfoil is I don't know what magic they do, but the speakers integrated. Now, if there was, there may have been some lag, but because the speakers were in different rooms, if there was, a, it wasn't noticeable to me. It, it, it wasn't noticeable such that I, I couldn't hear it, you know. Well, that that's a lot cheaper than my solution. Yeah. But but your solution sounds a lot more fun. So tell me how you would have done it. Well, the, you know, the Sonos have spread in my house like a virus. <laughs> I love them so much. A very expensive virus. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's not that bad. Um, so I, I got, I started out with a Play 5, I think they called it, which is the bigger one. And then over the years now, I've added, um, I have a soundbar now and I have, I even have a little tiny, the Play 1, it's just a single speaker up in the upstairs, the master bathroom. Uh, because as I'm walking around, I just want the music everywhere. So when we have a, a party at the house, I move the speakers around the house. The stuff that's upstairs in the bedrooms goes downstairs. So the little one goes to the downstairs bathroom. And um, I take the one from my bedroom and I put it in the backyard. And the Play 5 is amazing. It sounds great. And the nice thing with Sonos is it just works. I mean, it really is kind of the apple of speaker systems. So it's got a an application that works just fine. You can open the app because I have Apple music and I've kind of bought into that ecosystem. I've made all these great playlists on it and I can just add music to it when I'm walking around and we have a party and someone says, Oh, have you heard that new song from what's and what's? And I say, great. What's it called again? And I just put it in and then suddenly it's playing all over the house. So it's uh, easy to set up and easy to maintain. You can also control remotely the volume in each of the rooms. So like one of the things we'll do is if everybody's in one room eating, I may turn the volume down in that room, but keep the music a little bit louder outside where people are more likely to want to listen to the music. So there's nothing really difficult to all that. It's just the the capital investment. And I think the way to get into Sonos really is just to get a couple of them and and just slowly. You, you shouldn't buy it all at once because then it'll remind you exactly how much money you've spent on speakers. What, would, what <laughs> they, would you start with if you're starting with the Sonos? I've often thought about getting the Play Bar. Yeah, I think if you if you watch a lot of TV and you just want a nice speaker system, especially a lot of houses these days aren't that big, a Play Bar may be enough to really fill up your house pretty well. I would start with that. Or if you're not looking for something to attach to your TV, I'd get the, I believe it's called the Play 5. It's It's very nice. They have the Play 5, Play 3, and the Play 1. The Play 5 has a nice, a lot of bass in it, and it, it can really fill rooms of your house, not just a single room. Uh, so I would, and it, I know that's one of the, some of the more expensive ones, but I think that's a really great way to start it. Yeah, the Sonos definitely would have been a much easier solution, and it probably would have been a more seamless solution. You know, this was kind of like patching things together with duct tape and bubble gum. It, it worked, but it wasn't necessarily pretty. And there were times where I thought, oh, this is never going to come together. Well, we, we, um, we, I have always wanted a good speaker system and I've never had the money or the, you know, I've just never really had the resources to make one. And I just kind of slowly built this one. But even just recently we had the, the Game of Thrones finale was on and my daughter's friends all wanted to come watch it at our house because we've got a decent TV, but we've got a really good sound system. And when you can hear the dragons flying in behind you and everything, it, it really is, you know, it, it's one of those things It hurts when you buy it, but it makes you smile afterwards because it's just such a good experience when you use it. Well, and I think it's, it's definitely less expensive than whole house systems. I mean, think about what we used to pay, you know, really only 10 years ago, number one for an integrated surround sound system. You remember those little, yeah. um, I think they were little Bose cube speakers that everybody had, but they weren't really that good um, yeah. that people would set up. I mean, that would be thousands of dollars to set up those little Bose cubes in your living room. And then you'd probably have to have, you know, a professional come in and crawl around in your attic and install them and set it up with a with an amplifier and, and all of those things. Or what people would do is they would have speakers installed in the ceilings um, and you know, connected to an amplifier and 
the you know so compare when, when you compare it to the price of those types of solution the sonos is a no-brainer yeah and i think it probably sounds better than those did yeah it's just there's a um, an audio guy that i do uh work with sometimes um who is a professional installer who he goes around and does professional installations for tvs uh, he's a professional home audio installer and he says he has sold more Sonoses and switched to Sonos. And, you know, he, because he's a professional installer, he pays for his expertise. You know, he includes that in the price and all. But he says, compared to what people look at spending for other solutions, once I, you know, set up a test Sonos in their house and let them hear it and then tell them what it's going to cost, including my fee to set up and install it, he says it's a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the nice thing is you can move them when you have a professional system installed those locations are fixed. Whereas I've got like, I don't need a Sonos, you know, $200 speaker in my backyard. I don't need it there except maybe three days a year. And I'm perfectly fine taking the one from upstairs in the bedroom and putting it in the backyard those three days a year. And I have great music in the backyard those three days. So I don't know. It's nice. Okay, uh, so, but getting back to your party, w- did you have any need for, like, public address when you had the party, or probably not? No. no, no. There, there are some apps or Sonos where you can talk, and it, it goes through the speakers. I did it once and completely freaked out my children, you know, and, and I haven't done it since. I assume it still works, but that was kind of fun, and that would be nice for it. Uh, with a Sonos system or something like that, you could also honestly stick it in the trunk of the car and bring it to... A, 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 I guess a small to medium sized venue and it could work for you if you didn't want to hire a DJ. And right. You or if you, about if what, you what, wanted to what, do something at your office, you certainly could. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and what does a DJ do? I mean, if, if you have a good playlist, just put it on and just let it go. So uh, you can bring music to places that it wasn't otherwise. So I guess the Sonos portion, commercial portion of the show being over, um, Let's move into the invitation and printing subjects. How how does technology involve that in 2016? Well, I think a lot of it is that you can do a lot of it yourself now. I mean, it used to be when you were doing invitations for a formal event. And and some of this is sad because we're losing industries. But, you know, a lot of it is now DIY. You know, you, you used to go to a, a special shop and see a person and they would bring out this big book of, of thousands or hundreds of invitations that you would you would flip through and you'd pick this and this is the gold lettering and the foiling that I want and all of those things. And and there are still specialty shops where you can do that. But um, a lot of it is, is do it yourself now, which means the, the barrier to entry has gotten a lot lower, which is nice. Yeah. And it's gone through a transition because there's a lot of online services and they use really good cardstock and they have really great printing techniques. So, um, you know, using online resources, you can put together something really nice. I, I don't think I've ever talked about it on the, um, on the show or not, but the, you know, we kind of had this pride thing in our house about Christmas cards. We always like go crazy with Christmas cards in the Sparks house. You've seen some of them, right? We've yeah. Seen, you have great Christmas cards. I, I was going to be really embarrassed if you'd say, well, I've never seen one. That would have been really bad. But, uh, but so we always go nuts this year. We were on the millennium Falcon for our Christmas card, but the, uh, it, it, it's, it used to be really a big deal. And my wife is really into paper crafting and we would have this assembly line and put them together. And every year it's getting easier and easier. And ours aren't quite as special anymore because it's so much easier for people to do this stuff themselves. Um, so there are a couple of options for, for like invitations. 
Um, if the wedding invitations, if you're doing that yourself, is you, you still probably want to go with a specialized company. But if you're just doing like event invitations and you don't necessarily want the pristine gold foil and all of the multiple pockets and returns, like if you're doing invitations to a special event, um, a lot of that you can do it yourself online now. There are a lot of websites and a lot of companies um, that will allow you to create your own custom invitations on cardstock. And they're still a little more expensive. I mean, they're going to be somewhere between 50 cents and a dollar or more per invitation, depending on the particular style that you want. But compared to what they used to cost, uh, it's it's fractions of the price. Um, a couple of companies that that we used, we really liked a company called Paper Style. Um, that we liked them because we we liked the size of their invitations. Some of the invitations we looked at were were small. So I think that's something you should pay attention to is, you know, look at the dimensions and maybe even cut them out and say, hmm, that that feels a little small. Um, And we also liked that they had like a design service. So if you saw an invitation you liked, but you wanted to tweak it a little bit, uh, they would do that. And there was typically no or a very minimal charge for it. And the turnaround was was pretty quick. So lots of options there. Another one that we liked was uh, Wedding Paper Divas was also an option and literally hundreds and hundreds of options on these various sites. Yeah. An abundance of riches. Yeah. Another, Oh, go ahead. I say, what about the, in addition to the invitations, there's other paper products. Did you do that online as well? Uh, Some of them we did online and some of them we did it ourselves and used like a local print shop. Um, One of the other things that we did is um, we printed up like menus or that would sit like at your table for a, um, for the rehearsal dinner is we wanted to have a little list to, fancy it up a little bit. We wanted to have a little card or a little menu at the table to tell people, you know, this is the appetizer, you know, this is the entree, this is the salad, this is, this is what you're getting, um, or the, or these are your options. And for those, we, we actually printed ourselves and we found, um, at a local craft store, um, some cards that we, we really liked and that, that kind of fit the theme and, and fit what we liked. And we just had a nice, nice, plain, simple border on it. Um, and, we thought I thought I almost ran them myself through my own printer and I probably could have, but for the number that we were doing, I thought, you know, for what it will cost me in, in my ink. Um, so I designed them just, you know, using pages, honestly, you know, very simple Did the typography myself exported as a PDF and then took it to a local print shop. And for, you know, less than 20 bucks, they, they printed it on my own cardstock, which yeah. was nice. The, um, you know, don't ed- underestimate pages. It's a great, page layout tool and you can we don't talk about that much on the show because so much of what we do these days is all digital but you know for all of its failings pages is really quite useful when you want to make something that looks nice that you're going to print out well and where pages can really shine is on doing uh, programs and brochures if if you're having a special event or even if you're um yeah i've i've used pages to to prepare things like Um, programs like programs for a special event like a wedding or a funeral and um, I'll do that with with pages and they come out looking just as good if not better than what you get from whoever else designs them because honestly they're just using Microsoft Publisher if that even exists anymore or some other basic program so yeah Apple Apple has good designers that make work on those templates so if you just start with an Apple template you're you're going to be in good shape Right. And then you can customize it to fit your colors or black and white or whatever you want to do. 
But, you know, I'll design the programs and depending on what makes sense, I'll either print them at a local print shop or um, online printing. We had a um, we had a local community fair that my company was um, tabling at where we had a table at the community fair and we wanted like a thousand brochures. So within the course of like a couple of hours, one afternoon, I created a a brochure for our, our company and, you know, put our photo on it and put a description of our services. And this was a you know, four color, you know, bifold brochure. And we got, you know, thousands of those printed at an online print shop. So if you've got a little additional time and you need high um, quantity, you may want to look at uh, online printing as an option. The The one that I used was Got Print, um, but Vistaprint is also an option. The only thing you want to be a little careful of is you're printing in color. You know, keep in mind that color on your screen does not necessarily reproduce as you think that it does. Um, so be careful with that and maybe make sure that you've actually got your actual CMYK percentages or things like that. Um, so look at your local print shop and, you know, if you're doing large quantity, maybe get a quote from an online printer. And one of the, the keys to all of this is when Katie said she saved it to PDF. I mean, that's the lingua franca of all this stuff. You get it to PDF and then you can bring it to your print shop or you can upload it and you're going to, you're going to at least control generally what it looks like i understand colors don't always match but you're going to have a lot of control over the the look of whatever it is that you're printing right because people will you you can't necessarily take them a pages document because they'll look at you like you've got four eyes but they don't need to know that you did in pages because give them give them a pdf and here you go it's pdf just print it thank you yeah the uh, there's a local it used to be called kinko's in california but now it's fedex FedEx, something something yeah and the one near me, they've got a, an online thing where I can upload a PDF to them and I can just, it'll be ready when I go in and pick it up, which is pretty nice. Okay. Uh, so you took care of that with technology as well, but there's more. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Fracture. Get that beautiful artwork off of your Mac and onto your walls with a Fracture print. Fracture is a photo decor company that is out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They print your photos directly onto glass and add a laser cut rigid back so they're ready to display right out of the box. They even include the wall anchor. Just upload your digital photo at fracture.me and pick your size. It's that simple. For years, I was collecting these great pictures on my Mac that I took with my camera using all the great techniques we've talked about here on the Mac Power Users but I wasn't getting them on my walls. The trouble was that every time I sent it out to get printed, I wasn't happy with the result. And then I had to go find a frame that would fit it. And then I had to figure out whether or not the frame would match the wall. And there was all these problems. So I just didn't do it. Fracture changed all of that for me. The fracture process makes the color and contrast of your photos really pop. And the sleek frameless design lets your photos stand out while still matching any decorating style. Your fracture comes with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're sure to love your order. Each fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida, from U.S. sourced materials in their carbon-neutral factory. Now that I've become a fracture customer, I'm sending prints to them all the time. I really like rotating them on the walls in the house as the seasons change. This is totally possible with fracture. I also sent all the book covers for the books I've written out to fracture, and I've got a wall of fame in my house where I can look at the covers for all the books that I've written. Most importantly, I just love that I've got pictures out of my Mac and onto my walls now. Bring a special memory to life or give a fracture as a gift or even decorate your own home with the moments that tell your story. Learn more about how Fracture brings your photos to life at FractureMe.com. 
and be sure to mention that you heard about them on the Mac Power users in their one question survey at checkout. It helps support the show. Thanks again, Fracture, for giving us beautiful artwork from our photos and sponsoring the Mac Power users. One of my favorite things at, at these events, whether it's a family event or even a company event, is putting on a cool slideshow. I think it really it works if you do it right. And you see them at so many events and there's there's such a spectrum. Uh, yeah, I've, like I said, this is my summer of weddings. I've got this particular wedding that my family's doing and then I've been to multiple weddings and you see them at the weddings, you see them at the receptions, you see them at the bridal showers. I have seen so many photo slideshows in the past couple of years, and some are really, really good, and some are, yeah. <laughs> well, some of them actually are really, really bad. I, I have the uh, Sparky's Rules of Photo fly, Slideshows here, if you'd like them. Yes, I would. Uh, are these like your uh, your your three, two, one rules? Uh, sort of. The first one is the length of time you display a photo on a screen should be longer than you think i so many i think one of the big mistakes people make on a slideshow especially family related events but also company related is everybody in the room is looking for the picture that they're in it's just human nature and they put out these slideshows and they crank through so many pictures so quickly uh, that nobody gets to see the picture of themselves i think that always disappoints people so you know don't put it up for two seconds put it up for five seconds and then the second rule is the slideshow itself cannot be longer than five minutes ever, ever, ever. Well, and, and, Frank and, and I think you also need to pay attention to what is the slideshow doing? Is the slideshow a feature where you're going to ask everybody to stop what they're doing and give you their attention? Or is it something that's just running in the background? Okay, fair enough. If, if this is a feature uh, thing that we're all going to be sitting here, we're going to turn the lights off in the room, everybody's going to watch the screen, it should never be longer than five minutes. What I usually tell people is, Pick your favorite song, five minutes or less, and that's how long the slideshow will be. And you always get pushback because I've done a lot of these for brides and grooms over the years. They always say, well, we have, we want to, you know, we want to make it 15 minutes. People will want to kill you if you make it 15 minutes. I don't care how cute you are or how cute the baby is or how important the person was. It, you just keep it to five minutes. They're going to, they're going to have the warm and fuzzies are going to wear off within that period. Have yep, you ever gone to one of these things? I went to one where the slideshow was like 20 minutes and I got up and walked out of the room after a while. I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah. And, and it really makes nothing special when it's that long. So, so try and get it down to five minutes. So edit your photos carefully and put them up long enough that people can enjoy them. And if you do those two things, everybody will think your slideshow is the best and they won't even know why. And then the third rule of the Sparky uh, slideshow is the money shot. You always should have a money shot at the end. Uh, whatever it is, you know, think about it very carefully. Um, you know, the um, when my mom passed away, it was her with her roses because she loved her garden so much and it just was the right shot. With, with people getting married, quite often um, what I try to do is I take my camera and I take a shot of them kissing at the altar at the church. You know, I just, you know, get back, discreetly go in the back of the church, take that shot while they're kissing at the altar. And then by the time you get to the... Um, get to the reception, you'll have had enough time to get on your technology and insert that as the last shot and make it, you know, three times as long as any other shot in the, in the slideshow. And everybody is so happy when they see that at the end of the slideshow. So, you know, find the money shot too. I guess that's the third rule of Sparky's photo slideshows. Yeah. And so there are a lot of options now on how you make these slideshows and you can make a good photo slideshow without spending any money. 
um, well, assuming you have a Mac, you can make a good photo slideshow without spending any money because you have the tools built in. And then there's some tools if you want to up your game and have a few more options that you can buy um, to make these slideshows. And I've done I've done them both ways. Um, We made a a special slideshow for the rehearsal dinner um, that we really spent some time in. And I did it with Photo Magico, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And then all of a sudden I got a uh, an email from the the bride to be yesterday saying, um, don't forget about the DVD for the reception that's going to play in the background. And I was like, what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so apparently I was supposed to provide a DVD of photos that's going to play for the reception in the background that she has to have, you know, within three days. And for that, I just did that in photos. And yeah. you know what? It was fine. And especially for what it is for something that's going to play on a loop in the background for an hour during the cocktail party. Yeah. Um, so, so that one, the rules change. You don't need to worry about five minutes. In fact, you can make, you can go crazy and put bunches of photos in there. I still think you need to leave them long enough that people can enjoy seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just put it. So what you do in photos, do you save it out and then make it a loop? How did you do it? Yeah. So the way, well, you, first thing you need to do is you need to get in. Well, you need to have in your mind an idea of the technology because you got to be thinking about how you're going to export it. And some of that. So you need to talk to your venue in advance to decide how do they want it. Um, but so let's talk about making the actual slideshow itself. So photos is pretty basic in terms of its options. Um, it's basically got three sections, which is good. You You create a new project. You know, with photos, you can create like a... Uh, a card project or a book project. And one of those options is slideshow. So you can create a slideshow project and you put the photos that you want to use or that you think you're going to use in the slideshow into this project. And you can add and remove photos from the project and then you line them up and you put them in order of the project. Now, in my particular case, I just used their engagement photos for this particular project. So I shuffled them around because they were all from the same basic time period some people would put the photos like in chronological order or something like that, but you can do that. You can put the photos in, in the order you want. And then photos has basically three settings. Um, one is pick a transition and they've got about a half dozen different transitions. You can do like a fade or a swipe or a wipe or a couple of different transitions. Um, option two is pick a song. And I believe that you can only pick one song. So they are clearly going from the Max Sparky um length here. Uh, yeah. If you, if you want something longer, then you're going to have to do a little editing firsthand to splice together multiple songs. You could do and that. If you're, and frankly, if you're considering putting something together, that's going to play in the background you know, consider no music you know, because there's going to be music in the room already. Right. And this know. particular one has no music because it's going to be yeah. in the background with, with music playing. Um, so you can pick a song if you want a song. Um, and you also then in photos, what you do is you pick the total video length. You don't pick the length of individual shots. So you're going to have to do a little math here. Um, but I thought it was an interesting approach to it. So for this particular one, because I've got, you know, 70 photos that are going to be on a loop and the loop's going to go for an hour, I made the total length 15 minutes. And so those those photos are up there for a good bit of time. And um, that way the, the people only see the slideshow four times. You know, so yeah. it's not like they're seeing the same show over and over again. And, I like that. Um, and then you can just, you can either play it directly from photos or you can export it to an M4V file and decide what you want to do with it from there. Obviously, once you export it to M4V, your, your options open up. Yes. And that's all done in an app that you already own. 
And it was honestly, when I did this, because I found out on very short notice, I, I already had the f- photos and the photos were in good shape. Uh, this was 20 minutes or less. Now, I will tell you that if you're going to be putting one of these together for people, and especially if you're using like baby photos or family photos, you need to budget and plan on a lot of time devoted to number one, scanning the photos if they're not already digital. And number two, cleaning the photos up. Because you will find that if you're doing these um, with other people's photos, you will get all kinds of quality photos. And cropping and retouching can make a world difference. And many times you will spend more time retouching and cleaning up the photos than you will actually putting together the slideshow. What what are you using for doing that these days? Um, You can do a lot of it now in photos. But I'm then using Pixelmator for anything that can't be done in the Photos app. Okay. The um, When you create the show with photos as the M4V, uh, how are you playing it later? Well, that... Or am I getting ahead of myself? You're getting a little ahead of yourself. But the answer yeah. is it depends, and it depends on the venue, and it depends on the setup. So... And, well, and how long does the render take? Is it is it fast or slow? It depends on your machine. But yeah, I mean... I, I set it to render and I went to go get something to eat. And by the time I came back, it was done. I mean, I don't mean went out to get something. Like I went to the kitchen and made something and came back and it was done. So do they still have the Ken Burns effect built in? They, where, where it does the little slow pan on the image. I don't think it did in the basic photos. No. Yeah. It might. So you could, you could do that in, in, it used to be in the, is it still, I'm I confused now. Is it movies or is it iMovie? I don't know what they call it now. I think it's still iMovie. I think it's still iMovie. Yeah, iMovie. So you could do that in iMovie too, where you just drag the images in. You don't, it, it's more work. It's going to be a lot more than 20 minutes because you're literally, you know, you're putting the images into a movie file and then they have transitions set up where they have what Apple calls the Ken Burns effect. Somebody told me the way they got that is Ken Burns came to visit them at Apple and they said, we really want to use your name because he he kind of, I don't think he's the first one to do it, do it, but it got very popular with the civil war documentary that, you know, process of panning images while you're looking at them. So, so we want to use your name with it. And, and he took like a bunch of like a truckload of Apple hardware with him. <laughs> and that's how it was done. The deal was made. But it was the, like, uh, I'll take one of everything, please. Yeah. And I think it might've even been for charity. I don't even know that he used it, but somebody told me it was like the guy got a lot of hardware to put his name in that app. Um, but the, um, either way, so you can put them in iMovie and do the same thing where, and, and you can set the Ken Burns effect where you can do these transitions uh, and then you can save it out as a movie file. I've done that on occasion, but for me, if you really want to just like, you know, do the Cadillac style photo presentation, photo magico is the way to go. Yeah. So let's talk more about Photo Magico. Um, you actually introduced me to this product and I've used it for years ever since. So what makes yeah. Photo Magico better than Photos or iMovie or one of those other options? It, it just gives you way, way more control. You know, you, you put the images in there, you set the order, the transition style, you can set the length, you know, you have so much more control than just saying, I want this to be a, a one hour slideshow. You can um, everything that you, you want to potentially change, you can like, even with the Ken Burns effect, you know, Ken Burns is a, is a system where they, they start the image in one place and they slowly pan to another with photo Magico, Magico, you can say, where does the image start and where does it end? And not only are we talking about the direction of the pan, but also the, the, um, width of the camera lens. 
So you can have it where it starts like one of one of the favorite ones I do with the um with the money shot at the end, you know, where the the bride and groom are kissing is I've got this long shot and it starts way broad and then slowly zooms into them. And it looks amazing. And it's something that you can do with photo magico with just a, a slider. It's so super easy to set up and then it just creates it for you. You can also run the slideshow from photo magico. So if you are going to be using at the event images that were taken very recently, um, it, it can, you can do you can run it from your Mac. You can just, you don't even have to render the movie. You can just plug your Mac into the projector and hit go. So it's just really good. They came out with version five recently and it had been several years since they, they've done a, a new version of photo magico. And I think one of the questions I had was, you know, are, the, is there something new to add to this? And they did, they came up with some new features that are pretty cool. I haven't used the new version under fire yet, but I'm sure it's, it's, you know, super stable. These guys are, are really, you know, un, uh, uncontrolled. This Oliver and the gang over at Boinks, it's a German company. Um, they just, they just do it right. Um, they've got some Apple design awards. So, I mean, I, I think you just have to try it out. Go to boinksoftware.com if you're going to be, or I guess it's just boinks.com, B-O-I-N-X, and just try it. I think they have a demo you can use or a trial period. But if you're going to do, this pays for itself in one event. Yeah. And the thing about Photo Magico is whereas the slideshow feature is a feature in, in photo, a photos app, Photo Magico is an entire application that is devoted to doing nothing else but making these slideshows. You know, and, as an exa- example, I've kind of got this reputation now in our extended friends and family group that that I make amazing slideshows. You know, everybody's like, oh, Dave's are the best. If you, you need a slideshow, go ask Dave. And the fact is, what I do is I get Photomagico and I build it in Photomagico and I let it do the work. And they think that I'm doing all this work and really I'm just letting Photomagico do it. And every time I go to a wedding or something and do one of these, at the end, almost without fail, the photographer, the person they're paying to be there and take pictures, walks up to me and says, hey, how'd you do that? That <laughs> They want to know. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's like cheating. And I always like it when I can use my technology to make it look like I'm cheating a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't uh, updated to photo, the new Photo Magico because the last time I made one of these was a couple of years ago. And um, they have made some significant updates in the last version. And they now have like a regular and a pro version. So you can start at like forty nine dollars, and then they go up from there depending on what version you need. So yeah. there are options now. Like one of the things I like they do now is they look at they analyze the music, and they can make the transitions follow the beats in the music. You know, because when the music has, when you if you look at the waveform of music, you can tell where the the beat is of a change in music. Well, Photomagic can do that analysis for you, and it can automatically put the transitions to match the beats, which I've done in the past manually and it's a complete pain in the neck. This is super easy now. It's just a slider. So I don't know. It's a great app, but you have to need it. If you're going to do one slideshow and never do another one again, and you're okay with just, you know, getting it out of photos or like Katie, you've got to do something that's going to play in the background. I don't know that you necessarily have to go to photo magico, but if you want to do something that's really special, spend the money on it. It's totally worth it. Well, like I said, we ended up doing two. We we did one that's much more personal and I would say a little more special. Um, and that we did with Photo Magico. And then the one that I realized, oh, you want me to do one that's going to play in the background? Okay. And I've got how long to do this? All right, great. That was the one that we made with uh, photos. Yeah. So. 
But uh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly endorse Photomagico for if you're going to be doing these types of things. And it does, it, it is pricey, but it's specialized software to do just this thing. And it totally pays for itself if you need to do one of these. Yeah, I love it. You will be legendary. That's all I'm going to say. Because yeah. they, they, they just look really good. And and the other great thing is it doesn't take that much time because the, the software does so much of the work for you. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace has easy-to-use tools and templates that help you capture every detail of what drives you. And Squarespace gives you all of the power, and they take away all of the pain points. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about scaling. Squarespace takes care of all of it, and you can just focus on building a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level, no coding required. You'll be easily able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want. And Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site to ensure security and stability. They're trusted by millions of people across some of the most respected brands in the world. And their templates are just stunning to look at. They all feature responsive design to make sure that your site is going to look great on all sizes of device. And especially if you're in business, this is super important because more and more of your customers are looking at your sites on mobile devices and you want to make sure that you have a mobile-friendly design with Squarespace, you don't have to worry about it. It just works. But this is just getting started. Squarespace has a ton of awesome features like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland that are there to help you. They have a commerce platform, which means anyone can add a store to their Squarespace site. And if you're looking for something simple, you can build a great-looking single-page website with their cover page feature. And of course, Squarespace is rock-solid they have fast hosting and so much more. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, you should definitely check out their dev platform that will let you dig in and tinker the code to your heart's content. I use Squarespace for my blog. We use Squarespace for my law firm's website. In fact, I got two compliments from clients today about how great our website looked. And I just said, yeah, I had our web designer put that together. We're really proud of it. And you know what? It was me on a weekend using Squarespace. How wonderful is that? You can sign up for them for a year. You'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, and you can start a free trial today with no credit card required. Just start building your own website over at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up and make sure you use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Mac Power users. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Related to the subject of photo slideshows, I want to talk about um, photo slideshows that are interactive at the events. I did one of these recently for somebody and it was a super smash hit, you know, and so what you do is you have a way to present photos taken at the event of people at the event. People that are there love it. They love seeing themselves. They go look for it. A few years ago, I had done this with an Apple script of all things and an automator action where I had set up an iMac and people could walk up and take pictures of themselves in photo booth and it was automatically displaying them. It was a super nerdy solution and a little bit, you know, difficult to use. But this has got a lot easier lately to fact to the fact that now I use um, a, f- a version of this workflow at a lot of the parties we do at the house. Because when you when you've got a party at your house, um, who's, you know, you don't really want the TV on 
or at least you don't want people watching TV. You're having a party. People are supposed to be talking to each other. Um, but one of the things I like to do is I'll set up a, in, in the um, screensaver on the Apple TV, a specific photos library that I have designated. You with me so far? Yep. Okay. So this and is an I, iCloud library. Exactly. And then I'll have, I can set up a sharing if I want, or I can just set up where I control it. And then I am taking pictures with my phone that are going into that library at the event. And then it's updating and I just have it playing the screensaver on the TV. So people are seeing pictures come up that I took minutes ago on the TV and you put them on a real slow transition. So they, you know, don't flash by real fast. But every time somebody looks at the screen, they see another image from the party that they're at at the moment. It's been really successful and it's not that hard to set up. Yeah, that's a great idea. And do you invite people like, and maybe it's just your family members or a few key people from the party to contribute to that album? Uh, I, you can, and I guess it just depends on the party and your friends and you know, what's going to happen, <laughs> how much is being, you know, what's, what's being consumed. I mean, you, you might not want it. You know? <laughs> I mean, if you got those spicy carrots, it could get real dicey real fast. Yeah. The, uh, but also just the, um, there are some hangups with it. Like when I do this, the pictures don't show up automatically in general, the Apple TV, a lot of times gets what it thinks is the canonical copy of that library. And then it doesn't update itself or it updates slowly. So throwing a bunch of extra photos at it sometimes can cause trouble. I wish it updated faster in that regard. But the um, I also like to kind of control it in terms of what I do is I give my phone to one of my daughters and just say, hey, go take some pictures for the library. And then I have like, you know, that's what was that called? Uh, you know, delegating. So I just hand it off to them and let them do it. And they're happy. But you could absolutely make it a shared library if you want to and tell everybody just to save photos to it. Right. There are also some apps that will do this. I, I have not personally used one, so I don't have a, a recommendation to make, but I know that there are some specific apps that developers have created for this purpose. And so I would just ask our listeners, if you have any particular experience with with apps for kind of shared experiences, um, whether it's sharing on your Apple TV or, or sharing um with friends and family at party type settings. Um, send, send, that'd be something great that I'd love to hear for our feedback show. You can either send an audio comment to feedback at macpowerusers.com or just email us and, and let us know. I'd like to know your experiences with that and we'll follow up in the, in the show. One, one that I have tried is, um, but I haven't used it at a party, but it's back to our friends over at Boinks. They have one called Party Snapper. That's, ah, that's probably the one I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's it's really easy just to use a built-in Apple library at this point. You know, you've got it. The Apple TV's looking at the library. There's almost no technology involved. It's so simple. Just set your screensaver to a particular library and then take pictures to that library. And just be wary that it, or be aware that there are some updates that need to take place in terms of the library. They aren't going to, you're not going to take it and see it on the screen in a minute, but you will see it eventually. Yeah. One of the things that we did at our engagement party, and um, just to be clear, I, I keep referring to this as my engagement party or the wedding, or I, I am not is, getting married. Is this there is something my, you're keeping no, from us? I'm not keeping it from it. My, my brother is getting married, but it's like everybody in the family is getting married, you know, when you have a, a big family wedding. Um, so I am not getting married. I have no information to share for you on that point. Um, but one of the things that we did is we set up a photo booth. Um, which has been very popular. And by set up a photo booth, I basically mean a corner. And we had a few props and people seem to really like that now. But one of the things that we did is we um, there we had an Instapix 
camera. And we actually borrowed this from a friend and they're all different kinds. But basically what this is, is it's basically a digital Polaroid camera. And so um, you you t- put this special film. Um, it, it's actually a printer. It's not doesn't have a, a, a camera component, but you put this special film that's basically Polaroid type film into a printer and you install an app on your camera. Ours was made by Fujitsu and I think it was Instapix is what it was called. Um, so you install an app and then you take pictures using the app um, and it will also save to your camera roll. So you're getting actual pictures saved on your camera roll with your full quality uh, that you normally would with your iPhone camera. But then you can choose to print those photos to the Instapix printer and it takes about a minute or less and it will print out your photo um, and it will basically print out like almost like a, and I keep saying Polaroid, that's probably a registered trademark and not what this is. But it will print out a Polaroid style photo that will develop over a few minutes. And so we did this with the photo booth where we would take people's photos with, you know, funky hats or things. And we would print them out on the Instapix uh, printer. And then we would have we had a book there with some double sided tape so that they could put their photo into a, a book and then write a little comment with a with a special, you know, like a silvery pen or something. Um, and then they would have that we ultimately gave to the bride and groom as a as a party favor at the end of the night. And so not only did we have all the digital pictures that we could then use in things like the slideshow that we were creating, but they also had a book full of pictures that was ta- that were taken that night as well. It's nice. Yeah, sounds good. The um, you know, getting all this stuff. One thing we kind of skipped over that uh, occurs to me we should discuss is. Uh, showing this thing on the screen, you know, when you get to the event, wherever it is. And we've talked about this in the context of presentations in the past, but all that stuff applies here. You know, call ahead, find out if if, it, if possible, if you're the one coordinating this, head over to the, the, the location and physically bring your hardware, you know, a couple days before just to make sure everything works. If it's someplace that you can't get access to, ask if they'll take a picture of the hardware for you. I mean, just Everybody has a phone in their pocket now. So just take a picture of all the connections in the back. So, you know, if you've got HDMI or whatever, don't rely on somebody's word for it. Right. And and think about how you're going to do it. You know, the the place where we're having the reception and having the photos play in the background, they wanted a DVD. I haven't seen this particular reception hall, but I believe they have like TVs that are networked together. And in the back, the way that they play whatever on those TVs is is through a DVD type system. So I had to burn that to a DVD, which... That's was kind of crazy. More difficult than you would think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, anymore. How do you do a DVD? Well, I'll, I'll tell days? you about it. Um, the other thing is uh, you also may want to consider burning some DVDs for relatives because older relatives may still want DVDs. They're, they're not going to have Apple TVs and they may not know how to play this. If you post it on YouTube and you may not be able to post it on YouTube. Um, you know, if it's got music playing in the background or things like that. So, we actually not only burned a DVD for the location, but we burned about a dozen DVDs for, you know, parents, grandparents, and, you know, older aunts and uncles and things like that. And these are kind of going, they were kind of like party favors. They're kind of, you know, going as, as gifts to the parents and, and grandparents and things so that they'll have um, this DVD of the slideshow. But what I also put, not only is it a DVD that you can put in your, you know, DVD player connected to your TV, but I also burned all of the data onto the DVD itself. So if they put the DVD into their computer, 
which again, I know people don't necessarily do anymore these days either. It's hard to believe this is technology that's almost been obsoleted. But if they did, um, they would also have the high quality image files and the M4V if they wanted to do something with it. Okay. So I, so, I felt it was so a little more how did you make useful. a DVD? I don't know how I would make one right now. <laughs> it was very, honestly. It was very difficult. Um, so there, there are two options that I found um, how, to, how to burn this DVD. One was using uh, Roxio's Toast, uh, which is still made and is updated every year or so. And um, it, it it has the ability to burn DVDs. I, I, you know, and so you can burn it so that the DVD auto plays as soon as you put it in a, in a player. Um, I will tell you that if you want like menus, because you want to have multiple movies, or if you want to like pretty menu that says, you know, pl- press play or something, those are not particularly pretty. They're, they're still pretty basic and they look like something out of the nineties, but Roxio toast will do it and they'll do it for Mac. And they're, they've got versions that are regularly updated. I bought an old version several years ago, the last time I had to do this type of project. Um, and I was very lucky that it still uh, worked on El Capitan. So that was an option. I also, when I tweeted this out saying, how do I burn this DVD? Because I wanted one of those pretty interactive menus and the Roxio toast ones were just hideous and that wasn't going to work with me. I got a few tweets back from people that said, believe it or not, if you can find a copy to install, iDVD still works. So, um, so did you, I installed iDVD and it works, but with some caveats, um, one is that unless you have them already on your computer, you cannot download the older themes. Uh, you may remember with, with every release of iDVD that went on for several years, you got newer themes. Yeah. And so there may be like a half dozen themes included in the release, but you could also use the half dozen that were included with every previous release. So if all you have is the most recent version to install, then you only get those themes. You can't download the older ones. Um, and then, of course, there's the issue of how do you get it? It's not in the Mac App Store anymore. I, I was lucky because I'm a pack rat with this Drobo. I've still got an old iLife disk image. Yeah. So I was able to install it off that iLife disk image. Um, I also have had some people report that they had issues, and I was able to confirm this myself, um, that they had trouble burning that DVD to an external burner. So what I did, and I would encourage you to do this even if you're um, – uh, if you're burning multiple copies is you can burn it from IDVD to a disc image. And I like having that disc image anyway, because that's what I save off and archive to my Drobo. So I saved it as a disc image from IDVD and then burned that disc image to the DVD using disc utility. Yeah. So it was a multi-step process, but it worked. It is tough these days. And in addition to the DVDs, once you've got that video, done you can also share it with dropbox or icloud traditional sharing did i just say traditional sharing for Tradi- dropbox and iCloud? <laughs> modern, <laughs> I, I guess more contemporary sheriff. yeah more sharing. contemporary sharing yeah. is, is put a yeah. link somewhere and people can download and have their own copy and do what they want with it yeah and then other options are once you've got that m4v um you can present it all all kinds of ways um you know you can you can play it on an apple tv you can play it on an iphone or ipad that you connect to something with hdmi um, you can have a computer connected to a, a, a projector or something else. Um, one of the things we did that was just very, very simple, I mean, because this was kind of something that someone said, wouldn't this be nice at the last minute, um, is when we had the engagement party at our home, I have an Apple, we have an Apple TV connected, and um, I just threw some of their professional engagement photos in an iCloud um, 
uh, iCloud shared folder in a shared library. And I set that as my screensaver on my Apple TV. So, yeah. you know, same so that's thing kind of as what you I did. did. Yeah. Pick a screensaver, pick a transition. Yeah. And it was super easy to do with the engagement party. Yeah. And that, that was literally like a five minute solution. Oh, you you want your engagement photos on the TV? Okay. Boom. Here we go. For a while they had, it would only work with uh, cloud-based uh, shared photo albums. It wouldn't work with uh, native ones. I think they fixed that in the most recent update to the Apple TV. I'll have to confirm that. But so if you run into a problem, make sure you're using a cloud folder of photos. Yeah. Now I would not do that if you were presenting publicly. Um, you know, if you were taking that offsite somewhere to do it, I would no. have the the actual file to yeah. present. But it's an option. And the yes. other thing I would mention is do a trial run. Always do a trial run. You know, learn from the Max Sparky uh, field guide on presentations. We we did a trial run this past weekend, and you know I sh- I should have known this, but I just didn't think it all the way through. The projector that we're presenting from doesn't have any speakers. How was I going to play audio? You know, so we start playing the slideshow and it plays beautifully, but there's the, all the music that we had lovingly you know timed in beautifully never played. And I thought, oh, you know what? We need external speakers. You want to you want to borrow my Sonos? Just just drive over. I'll I'll loan them. <laughs> yeah, to you. yeah. So I I had to go get a pair. I mean, I had them. I just had to hook up a pair of external speakers. But now I know that when we pack the bag to go, I've got to take external speakers. How about um? So you've done all this stuff, all this planning. It sounds to me like you've really played a big role in this wedding. Well, I'm. I, I I've been the technical coordinator. I haven't uh, haven't done any of the food, haven't done any of the catering, haven't done any of that yeah. stuff. But so as technical coordinator, what what are your jobs left now after the big event? Well, I'm I'm a technical coordinator, and I'm also a bridesmaid. So apparently, there are duties affiliated with um, with that. Um, I have to uh, I have to make all this stuff work at the event, and I also um, I have to you know be in the actual wedding itself. I've got my dress, I've got my dress altered, I've got my shoes. So there's all the drama that goes along with that, and then there's the hair and makeup and all that other stuff. Um, and then I also have to give a little speech. I have to give a I have to say a little something something. Okay, so are you, are you going to uh, how are you going to plan for that? Are you gonna uh, are you gonna have like a, your iPad in front of you or? No, no, that's for rookies. No, I, I, I'm going to plan it out and then I'm going to, you know, give myself notes that I can go off my notes. Yeah. Make sure you take a couple shots at your little brother while yeah. you're at it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to read a speech. I don't want to read a speech though. So. Yeah. I, that's something I'm really going to spend um, some time on the next couple of weeks giving some thought to. But, but I was actually, my question was more thinking about, okay, so you set up all this tech to make all this happen. Do you need, what do you need to do to shut everything down? I guess the website goes down on its own in a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, I set the website not to auto renew. So it won't, it won't build my credit card for another year. The website will go down on its own in a couple of months. You um, know, it might've been a good idea to get a mailing list, an email mailing list for the attendees. So once you get like the Dropbox link up so they can share their photos and stuff, you could send out an email to everybody. Yeah. And that, I, I, yeah, they, I will tell you, I was not a part of this, but the uh, bride and groom on themselves decided to use Google drive to share with the respective parents, the status of the RSVPs. I thought that was smart. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Okay. Um, so project planning, big event planning with technology in the bag. We miss anything. I don't think so. Well, I mean, again, this was for a wedding, but all of this was, could be applicable to any major life or business type event. So if you think we missed something, we have a, a solution for you. Yes. Feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. 
uh, or drop us a tweet at Mac Power Users with the hashtag AskMPU, and uh, that'll get into the system as well. Yeah, don't forget the live show that's not live, and we should probably come up with another name for it besides the live show. Um, will be a regular show in your feed this month. It will not be a bonus show uh, because, you know, wedding. But it will be there, and we have lots of feedback already to, to sort through and, and share with you. So thank you to everybody who's contributed, and keep that feedback coming. And thanks to our sponsors today, Smile, Casper, Fracture, and Squarespace. We will see you all next week.